Welcome to the Parent Tween Connection Talks, where we talk about anything and everything related to kids between the ages of 10 and 20. I'm your host, Clarissa Constantine, founder of the Parent Tween Connection. We're going to jump right into today's conversation, so be sure to listen in to the info at the end of this episode to learn more about how to connect with us. Today's guest is Nate Clayberg, one of Parent Tween Connection's trusted experts. Nate is the founder of Career Adventure Academy and is a self-proclaimed economic developer. He focuses on helping young adults discover their ikigai, a Japanese word that in essence means life purpose. Listen in as he offers insight about how you can help your teen discover their purpose in life. Hello, Nate. How are you today? I'm doing well, Clarissa. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. Love having a, a slew of professionals who can help help you know our, our families and our parents. And I especially love having our trusted experts join us. So as I said in the intro, Nate Clayberg of Career Adventure Academy, how did you get started in working with kids dealing with career aspects of things? Let's give us a little bit of the backstory first. Sure, sure. You know, it's, it's one thing that when it presents itself, um, I start reflecting and going, why are people reaching out to me? Then I come to find out that this is the kind of work that I had been kind of just doing on the side. You know, I can initially think back to, um, you know, when I worked in college athletics once upon a time and I'd have college interns and uh, that was one way we were able to get things done. And, and I always made a point because I remember being an intern that I wanted to spend some time with them and see how I could help them because I, along the way, there were some people I felt like they could have not to say, you know, giving me stuff or money, but it's like, could they just give me time? And I, and I had somebody mm -hmm. tell me that if I can't give you money, can I give you time? Mm -hmm. So I'd sit and visit with them about, you know, students about career aspirations and courses they're taking, things like that. So I can remember informally doing that. Uh, but it wasn't really along the way until, you know, as, as I'm, I'm a professional economic developer by trade, as I would help communities and businesses grow or expand or sometimes unfortunately close. But, you know, there was along the way about 10 years ago that I discovered this workforce challenge that we ultimately have seen uh, come to rear its ugly head right now with mm -hmm. uh, that gap that's out there. And a conversation came up of how do we connect education and business together? And I thought, okay, there's got to be a way to expose these students to these jobs that we have, you know, in the communities we have in Northeast Iowa, where I live. And that was really some work that started then. And it, I didn't really act on it uh, until I left the W-2 world and went on my own doing some economic development consulting. And I was uh, reached out by uh, a local municipality that was trying to help uh, uh, an employer of uh, basically a water park, try and help them fill summer jobs. And when I started getting into it and realizing that it wasn't just about matching kids with work, we started realizing that these kids didn't know how to work or mm -hmm. how to have a job or even what it was going to take um, as far as knowing where your social security number is or a birth certificate or having transportation, things like that. So mm -hmm. that's where I really started to see some of the obstacles that youth were facing uh, in just trying to get to work and being exposed to opportunities. And then I was uh, brought in by a, a school district in in this area, Cedar Falls High School, who was launching a profession-based learning program called CAPS. 
which stands for the Center for Branch Professional Studies. And I was mm -hmm. brought in as a contractor to connect business and education together. And I thought, okay, this is this is fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so as we got in there and started talking to, you know, connecting businesses, and they are all about wanting to get involved and be able to showcase uh, the work and jobs and opportunities we had with the local businesses to maybe give an idea to high school kids on a, a possibility. That was cool, but it was just kind of informal. We started talking to some of these students about, so, and this is April, Clarissa, keep in mind, graduation is in May, in, generally. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, so what are you doing next year? And overwhelmingly, it was like, they would say, they'd give some BS answer, or they'd say, I don't know. Or I'm like, oh, no, this is a problem, you know, that I don't think anybody really realized, because, you know, nationwide, and especially here in Iowa, we're really good at graduating high school kids. I think it's like 90% across the country. You come in as a freshman, you're going to graduate high school as a senior, mm -hmm. you know, and the pathway is defined. We get you out the door and it's on to the next thing, which unfortunately mm -hmm. is, is the, is the process of where we're at because you move in as a freshman in, in college and there's a 40% chance you're going to finish in four years and a 60% chance you're going to finish in six years. Mm -hmm. So retention rates are a challenge when you get into college, but no one seems to be thinking much about that either, mm -hmm. uh, only trying to get uh, freshman admissions in, but how do we keep them? But that's a whole other episode well, that we can get into. And I was going to say, that's a whole other conversation. If we've only got 40% of our freshman matriculants graduating in four years, 60% graduating in six years, there's another 40%. We've got a whole lot of brouhaha culturally yeah. and, and politically right now around student financial aid. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. even the the forty who graduate in four years or the sixty who graduate in six, they're at, at least quote unquote walking out with a degree that many of us are going to say is usable in some fashion, but they're still getting hit with a lot of the the financial aid. What about the kids, the forty percent then that maybe don't graduate or take another ten years or whatever the metrics are on that that still have the student loans but don't have the final pretty piece of paper to hang on the wall, so to speak. Yeah, you know, it's having purpose to it. So I think, you know, the theory, one of the theories I have, uh, you know, is there's people changing majors, you know, three, four, five, six, seven times. And I think you get into school and you didn't really know what you were actually getting into and you might change or pivot or see something else out there that you didn't know existed. So that's yeah. going to maybe prolong how long you were in there. Um, you know, when you look at, uh, I'm, I'm I'm getting away from answering your question, uh, but it was always these interest points that had me drawn to, okay, we have a problem here. We need to try and figure this out of how can we give purpose to high school seniors, juniors, or students in general and their families mm -hmm. uh, on what the next steps after graduation are and why, you know, mm -hmm. if you're showing up on a college campus and you know these numbers better than I, I you know, I, I've got a sophomore in, in a state school here in Iowa I know it's $20,000, $21,000 room board tuition. Um, that's what it costs. If you're coming in, doling that out, and and that's your opportunity to figure out what you want to do, I'm gonna I'm gonna hem haw a little bit. That that's mm -hmm. a little that's a little expensive to to be doing that just to try and help and hope you figure it out. Are there resources right. on most college campuses to help you with that? Yes, but they're not knocking on your dorm door saying, hey. We know you haven't decided yet. 
uh, you're required to be here. Right. Uh, right. No, you have to set an appointment. You have to seek them out. You know, the resources are there. Uh, but that's the problem that I started seeing and started falling towards is how do we help these high school, high school students? And let alone, I worked with college students and even worked with young professionals and even people mm -hmm. that uh, are in looking for their second or third career that mm -hmm. just haven't figured out the work right. they're wired to do. Right. So I know you talk a lot about, and you even use the term pathway earlier that, you know, we seem to have this idea that like you graduate for many kids, the next expected step is college, whether that's the best approach for them or not is a different conversation, but you talk about the pathway and I know you, based on the conversations you and I have had, sure. your, your perspective is it's not necessarily a pathway, but perhaps helping them develop their own compass. So Let's use that as a launching point. Sure, sure. You know, I think no matter what part of the country you are listening to this, you run into traffic, you run into detours, you run into all these things. And how do you respond to it? You know, do you, you know, in the in the age of uh, of entering an address in Google Maps on our phone, we just follow it mindlessly until we're like, it's it's like we're surprised there's a there's an issue. You know, when we all of a sudden get to that point, and we're like, now what? Mm -hmm. It's how do we, and maybe I'm generalizing, but how do we stop if that phone didn't work, if your GPS and your vehicle didn't work, what sense do you have as far as direction or your whereabouts in trying to figure out where to go next or even who you should talk to, right? The uh, mm -hmm. stop and ask for directions, you know, that, that you don't necessarily have to do that much anymore nope. <laughs> uh, to figure some things out, but this is what we're really at is, you know, sometimes you have to stop and ask for some directions and ask for some help and allow yourself to be, uh, to actually use that help to, to move mm -hmm. forward. But it's not A, B, C, D. We have that in high school. It's pretty defined by the state and boards of education to graduate from high school and get to that, that gown and cap and tassel and all the stuff. It's pretty defined. Um, I would say more or less in college it is, but it's not totally defined mm -hmm. uh, of what it is um, to, to help you get to the point of not just necessarily graduating, but graduating with purpose or uh, the investing the time and resource you have into pursuing an occupation or vocation or profession. Um, yeah. How can you have that compass, uh, internal compass, or even asking for direction? That's that's something mm -hmm. that too many of us, I would say, doesn't matter what age it is, that we need right. to to better develop. So then the next question is, again, gearing more toward the young adult, right? I know we have had the conversation because, you know, we live in a similar similar space of helping kids take those next steps. But I'm a very particular piece of that in what I've done for the last 24 years with test prep. You've said taking the time to have this conversation with students, whether it's mom or dad, or in many cases, not mom, not dad, because every mom and dad has had a conversation or had a situation where their kid doesn't listen to them, even though they're a professional right. in right. the conversation, right? What are the the considerations that we need to be asking the kids in our lives? Like, or like, what, what do they need to consider to start defining their why, defining that compass, well, I think it's early on of of having that conversation, and and I've mentioned uh, 
in social media or different places that, you know, I think early on in a kid's life, it's fun to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. You know, that you want to be an astronaut or you want to be a doctor, or you want to be a fireman, that type of thing. And then I think kids get involved in activities and that's where the questioning goes. It's how's soccer going? How's piano going? You know, how's school going? Um, you know, you don't necessarily bring up along the way of, of what do you want to do until I feel like you're a junior or senior in high school that then someone brings up, you know, what are you doing next year? And whether that's a question based on what kind of job you want to have or what school you're going to or what major you're in, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's conversations, I think, still along the way when you are with your child and you're traveling or in your everyday life and you just talk about jobs that are out there. You know, you can mm -hmm. you can drive down a road and see stores or you're in a store and you can talk about what kind of work that is. And, mm -hmm. and I think as parents... Um, we see kids drawn to things, right? You know, mm -hmm. that not, and I'm going to say not necessarily, um, here's a whole nother episode is getting into, uh, into sports and activities and youth sports and the, uh, the, uh, the machine that has become that, that I still mm -hmm. have issue with of, I still don't understand the purpose of some of it, but, uh, the money that's being spent on it, but mm -hmm. it's, how do you, how do you discuss some jobs that are out there? You just talk, you're just talking about it. Mm -hmm. You're not saying you should do that. You should be a lawyer. You should be a doctor. Because honestly, I have seen that impact some kids when a, a mom says, you should be a dentist. Dentists make good money. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can you stick your fingers in somebody's mouth eight hours a day? Are you up for that? You know, you don't have that conversation other than, you know, <laughs> your dentist drives a Cadillac and has a lake house and golfs every Thursday. Right. Can you stick your hands in somebody's mouth all day? Uh -huh. do, you do you think about that? And right. you might get somebody. Yeah, I, I'd love it. I, that's fine with me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's explore that pathway. But you know, not necessarily having. A, it'd be fun to go to college here. But how do you have a conversation talking about the kind of work or mm -hmm. jobs or industries or companies that are out there? And, you know, it's, it's, this is exactly the kind of conversation that I wish I had had when I was 15, because I was a, a musician. Music is still a huge passion of mine, you know, on the, on the performing side, but my mom, again, well-intentioned, you know, you and I've had the conversation about many, you know, 99% of the conversations parents have with kids, like they're well-intentioned. We want the young adults in our lives to be successful, to be happy, to have the, the financial situation to take care of themselves, perhaps, and not end up back in our basements, right? Um, That's and the goal. So recognizing that these conversations are well intended, my mom's and my conversation was, but you should get a real degree with music. Like, don't just go performance. You know, you start using that word real degree, and that's just going to make you even harder, right? That's going to say, right. I'm going to do this even more when you say real, but it's when you can throw out, okay, let's look at the opportunities that can come from this. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, what, what is it? If it's, if French, uh, French American literature is your major. Okay. What are we using with it? You know, I had a conversation actually two days ago with a university president. I uh, got to spend like 45 minutes with, with him. And he was discussing how um, colleges aren't good at bringing students in and really defining what the pathway through a vocational degree uh, mm -hmm. is how he defined it is, uh, not necessarily a psychology or sociology or whatever, but 
what is the pathway? What are some opportunities that he knows their institution could get better at? Mm -hmm. And having those having those conversations. But when somebody says they're majoring in this or double majoring in this, or God help me, I still shake my head when someone says, well, I'm triple majoring. And I'm like, okay. Um, you know, it's, yeah. but why? I come back right. to the why. Tell me right. why you're doing it. Right. And I think if we had anything that we wanted to leave our listeners with from from this conversation, that's probably it, right? Ask your kids why. How frustrating was it when they were three? And that was the only thing they ever asked of you as a parent, yeah. right? But why? Why does it work that way? Like, this is your opportunity for payback, <laughs> number one. Well, and they'll probably give <laughs> us the same valuable. answers of because. Right? Because. <laughs> You know, that's why listener out there, if you're familiar with Simon Sinek, a thought leader and author, he's got a number of great books out there. But you know, his golden circle that he gets into and and you define, you know, it's not what you do, it's why you do it. You know, mm -hmm. you can say what you're interested in as far as a job or college and how you're gonna get that training and all that, but but why? Can you answer the why? And that that comes back to you and I have to ask that question sometimes in, in mm -hmm. business or how what we do. And how we do it, but why do you do it? Why mm -hmm. do you spend the time? Why do you invest the dollars? Why do you uh, wake up at two in the morning and toss and turn because we're thinking about uh, something? If I had an error on my website, or I got to get the social media post out, or mm -hmm. wondering about clients and, and events and things like that, you know, you know, why? Can you answer why? And mm -hmm. um, it's not just because, right? When when you're your parent, you say <laughs> it's because just just do it. That's what I said. Um, <laughs> But yeah, just having purpose to us, what comes back. And I think uh, it, it takes some thinking. It takes mm -hmm. some thinking. And I, and I also, my impression is we don't want to ask that because we don't want to feel like we're going to upset our child or the child. Okay. Um, and I think we, we tiptoe around a little bit, especially nowadays with social emotional awareness and anxiety and whatever else that maybe we don't know how to handle it. If all of a sudden, and, and unfortunately I've seen this lately and in, in through some of the sessions I'm at, I've had some, I've had some students that really fit, thought their path was defined. And when the workshop's done and I've opened their eyes to some other things, they feel like, okay, I thought I had this figured out and no, I don't. And there might be some stress to that is what I was. That's what I worry about. But all of a sudden there's on the other end of, almost a relief of good. That's not, I, I've learned now that's not what I should do. Mm -hmm. And there's another path out there for me. And most off Clarissa, that it's okay. Absolutely. That it's okay Absolutely. to change and it's okay to mm -hmm. do something that you're interested in doing and not necessarily something you actually or perceive that somebody else wants you to do. Right. Well, and I think the other thing to that point that I talk with a lot of my college bound kids about and, and with their parents is we have this expectation that, and it, it's largely an American thing, but it's not exclusively an American thing that we're asking kids at 16, 17, 18 years old to make a decision theoretically for the rest of their lives. And you know what the reality is, is that, again, our generation, a lot of us don't stay in the same thing, partly because we didn't have somebody like you and, and Career Adventure Academy to help us on the front end to figure that out, but also because we change as we grow. And so 
I really try to encourage students to go, look, this is your next best step. Make the next best step. Get as much information as you can. Take the next best step. But it's okay that that can change 10, 15, 20 years down the road when circumstances change or you discover something that's a new passion. It's okay. Maybe you were okay sticking your fingers in somebody's mouth. And now you're like, you know what? I'm really kind of tired of sticking my fingers in somebody's mouth. I've done that. I want to go save puppies. <laughs> you know, like there's nothing wrong with that except what society makes you think. But that's a whole other, again, episode. Yeah, if you can define, and you can define why you're done sticking your fingers in somebody's mouth and and you do want to get to puppies. If you can can solidify the why, and that's what I stress with students, if you, and they were afraid of telling people they were going to change or that um, why they would, or they're afraid of of the change for themselves or other people. And that's unfortunately it is. It's like, well, I've already told people I'm going to do this. So I don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to change, but I'm like, if you can explain why mm-hmm. you're doing it mm-hmm. and how you're moving forward and who you're getting connected to and what your timeline is to mm-hmm. do this, mm-hmm. I got to think, and I'm very confident that someone's going to be like, well, how can I help you? Absolutely. You know, oh, 100%. And connect you with somebody or give you some advice because they've been through it or know somebody who's been through it. Yeah. Well, and I think part of the reason that we don't love this concept of change, especially in academic and professional pursuits, is that if we change, it's perceived as failure. Well, I thought I was supposed to do this, but now, no, that's really not the way I want to go. I want to do this. And and the feeling of like, but I can't stick to it, or I should have known all that crap that just isn't actually helpful. So um, tell us about your podcast, because I love it. Well, and I was just thinking about that. If you weren't listening to my first three episodes and I, yeah, I called it, it's called That's a Job uh, with a question mark. So it got brought up to me of, of I should do a job and talk to people that have jobs that maybe you don't know what they are uh, or you do know what they are, but you didn't really realize a pathway of getting there. So last February, I launched this and we'll have 42 episodes that will be released the year through the year 2022. And you know, along the way, uh, or the first three episodes, I think, especially in the, yeah, the first or second episode, I talk about my work, you know, even coming up, uh, working as a part-time uh, worker, and then into jobs about using the degrees I had in journalism and broadcasting, and then into sports administration, and then getting into the jobs of uh, work that I didn't necessarily have the training for, or, or mm-hmm. legitimate training for, if you will, more on the job. Um, you know, I was in that boat that mm-hmm. I told everybody I was going to be on the radio. And uh, I started at 16 and people told me I was good at it. And I felt, okay, I must be good at it because I enjoyed doing it, was good at it. And that was my passion piece. And I know there were some other things that opened my eyes, but I think I was afraid to follow that because I I was in that boat of, well, I already said I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. But no one ever took time to sit me down and and tell me what that life would be like, or even encourage me, if not give me permission to okay. look at at something else. So, you know, as the podcast has come along, and as I said, we, we've moved through all these episodes, and I've talked to, you know, people that are in marketing, or I talked to one that's a, a dream pollinator. Uh, I've talked to, um, yeah, a dream pollinator. You know, I've talked to actors, I've talked to producers, It's it's been all over the, all over the place. And, you know, a lot of them have ended up being in, in the coaching world, but these are people that I have worked with or known or just met through different connections 
But what I really learned along the way, we all have jobs that we thought we'd be in. Mm -hmm. And then there's jobs that we actually end up in. And then I think we're looking for just a little bit more. So we're trying to find something we feel like I need something that's going to make me a little happier or happy uh, or, or something I love. And you may find it and then realize it still isn't enough because it doesn't fit your icky guy circle of, you know, you're good at it. You love doing it. The world needs it. And you can get paid for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you eventually get into finding work that you were wired to do. And that's where I'm at now. And I think that's probably where you're at. A lot of people you work with mm-hmm. are at. Absolutely. And, but that took me 25 years. That took me 25 years to figure out. And my goal for the students I work with is to start exposing you to these opportunities and the pathways and having real conversations so you can get through those bubbles a little bit quicker and move forward. You know, absolutely. Uh, you know, what I changed where I'm at now, uh, if I go back, it'd be interesting to see how it was, but hindsight's what it is, you know, how can right. we move forward and, and, and help others. And, and ultimately I, you know, it's an, it's a sad state in our country that 30% of our workforce is excited about the work they do. You know, I want them to be engaged. I want them to be in the minority that, that they jump out of bed, they get in their car, they walk into the work that they're in and they're happy to be there. You know, because well, I. Well, what if we work. could? Sorry, go ahead. Been, well, I was going to say I've been in work that I sat in my truck, Clarissa, and I'm like, I don't want to go in there. Oh you yeah, because I didn't. I didn't agree with the mission. I, you know, it wasn't necessarily some. You know, there were some people I questioned, but there was mo- a lot of people I did like to work with. But I'm like, I don't know what this job is. They're paying me well. I, I can do the work. The world maybe needs this, but I'm like, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So, it was unhappy. But how are you going to act on it? You know, how are you going to act on that situation? And I absolutely. Well, and one of the things that the thought that came up for me when you said we want them to be in the what is now the minority, like how brilliant would it be if we could change that from a minority to a majority of folks that have that excitement in the morning and don't dread getting up to go in for the paycheck? And we saw that coming out. I think, you know, the great resignation that we're going through right now, there are people Mm -hmm. that came through the pandemic and are like, this job sucks, you know, or where mm-hmm. it's at or what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and especially this time where there's more open jobs than people available to fill them, mm-hmm. there's opportunities out there and you can wear pajama pants if you want to and mm-hmm. work for a company thousand miles away. Yeah. And maybe you get some more satisfaction out of that. And you're not in an hour and a half commute each way. And at the very least, you don't have to like put on a belt in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, for our listeners, um, hope you've gotten some good, good insight. Um, Nate is definitely a resource that that can help a lot of families navigate some of the stuff that, you know, co- ends up costing a lot of money if we don't it have can. insight. And, you know, I really think when we look at the, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times the social emotional aspect of it. Yes, there's the cost of changing majors or changing colleges, And yes, there's the, you know, what if you still have student loans and you don't even have the degree? Those are quantifiable dollar values. But what's the emotional cost for the folks who don't finish and feel like a failure because they don't finish or change their major five times because they just keep changing and mom and dad maybe are breathing down their neck about how much it's going to cost. And the poor kid is going like, but I just don't know what I want to do with my life or where I want to go. Asking that why. And I love, Nate, that you talked about how we ask them what they want to do when they're a kid, then it shifts to sports. And then we don't think about 
their next steps until like 10, 11, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. And all of a sudden it shifts back to what do you want to do? There's a gap in there that I never even thought about. And, and your suggestion of going and like, just looking at different jobs as you're driving around, like, Hey, what do you think the, the drive-through person at Wendy's or McDonald's likes about their job? What do you think they hate about their job? Would you like mm-hmm. to do that? And just making that an everyday part of conversation when a kid is 12, like it just gets their brain going about like, what kind of a lifestyle do I want to live? Yeah. You said it earlier about, you know, it, you can't, I don't expect kids at 17 to know what they're going to do the rest of their life. I, unfortunately, there's some, some systems in our community college and tech line that are trying to accelerate jobs with apprenticeships and, and internships and things like that. Those are well, if you know, you're going to want to do this at, as a freshman and you've confirmed it, you know, your why, and you're set to a pathway that you can get right through a program real quick, but that's not fair. Uh, mm-hmm. to think, you know, what do the rest of your life. But my, my uh, response to when somebody questions this work, I'm like, I don't expect them to know, but I expect them to be thinking about it. I, I expect people in their life to have brought up jobs or talking about college or talking about different things. And that it's not just a shock to their system when they have to make a decision or feel like they have to make a decision uh, either as an 18 year old kid, or ultimately you have to have a major choice by the end of your sophomore year in college, mm-hmm. uh, and, and why you're doing it. And I feel like that takes some pressure off the shoulders of the kid. I think it takes some pressures off the parents. Cause that's ultimately who I work with and start initially sure. with, because you have parents that are, they're like, I've tried to talk to my kid, you know, that they won't talk to me. And I'm like, yeah, that you're not alone. I'm the parent. That's I'm the parent. That's not their parent. So right. I would be happy to talk to them. And, and there's times I'll have conversations and I'll talk to the parent later on. They're like, they didn't tell me that. I'm like, of course not. I tell you that, you know, it's that you have a role as a parent is different than what this work is. And mm-hmm. again, it's, it's a gap. And I think when we first met Clarissa and I was telling you this, you're like, well, it, it kind of made sense, but you didn't really see that piece where I'm in right before they want to work mm-hmm. with you or want to work in choosing a college and a major in essays. It's like, okay, well, let's, let's figure out where you're going first. You know, absolutely. I, I, I might be that travel agent that's trying to figure out where you should go because you have this interest mm-hmm. and how we're going to get you to Barbados. Okay. Absolutely. All yeah. right. Well, I've got, you know, I'll pass you on to the passport specialist or get you mm-hmm. into who's really good at booking air travel or hotels or whatever. That's down the line from where you talk to me. I'm trying to here to help you figure out where you should go and help you figure out why. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, for our listeners, if you are part of Parent Tween University, then you're going to want to check in because one of the or the, the exclusive portion that Nate and I are going to continue our conversation about there is the questions that students ask that nobody has given them a space to ask. Mm -hmm. This is part of what he does in his discovery calls with students. He's like, Hey, what questions do you have? And I think you might be surprised about what they have to say. So if you're not there, you probably should be. So Nate, thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll see you on the next public episode sometime next year. Yeah. All right, Clarissa. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And that's a wrap on today's episode of Parent Tween Connection Talks. Be sure to check out the show notes for any links that we mentioned during our conversation. If you'd like a copy of the Foundations of Connection, you can find it right on our homepage at www.parenttweenconnection.com. 
And if you'd like to feel more supported as a parent and have a closer, healthier relationship with the teen or tween in your life, we invite you to join the Parent Tween Village. It's a judgment-free zone for the members of that village that it takes to raise a child. For just $19.99 a month or $199 a year, you'll join a community of parents and other supporters of teens and tweens who are dedicated to having the best relationships they can with the kids they love. You'll hear upcoming episodes live streamed into the group as we record them, along with exclusive bonus trainings from many of our podcast guests. You'll also be able to join our monthly group connection calls and other workshops just for members of the Parent Tween Village. You can join today at www.parenttweenconnection.com. And until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and keep connecting.